0: Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today.
1: Woo! How we doing, friends? So good to be with you guys this Sunday. Um, hey, you know it's a big deal because I'm wearing a suit jacket. That happens. Three times a year, Easter, Christmas, Vision Sunday. So the Holy Spirit is here already. And uh, you're, you might get saved again. We'll see what the Lord does. But um, excited to be with you guys for Vision Sunday. Excited to dive into this with you today. And, and one of the things that we know is that throughout the Bible, God commands his people. He calls his people to remember right, to, to, to remember, to not forget. And for honest, we're not great at remembering. I, I have a hard time remembering what I did last week, what I ate for lunch yesterday. Remembering is not one of our strong suits, but God says, look, I don't want you to forget ever what I've done for you, the, the seasons I've brought you through, the valleys that you've endured with me, the, the things that I have accomplished in your life. Remember, remember, remember. Every time in the New Testament, when the writers of the New Testament speak back to the cross and what Jesus did for us on the cross, they say, don't forget, remember this God that you serve. And so part of Vision Sunday is is taking a moment to pause and just remember, reflect, celebrate on what God did in 2021, the amazing ways that he continues to sustain this community of believers and our church but God also called his people to look forward. You know, he, he called them when they were coming out of Egypt to remember the Exodus, remember the way that I delivered you from captivity in the among the Egyptians, but also look forward to Canaan. Look forward to the promised land, look forward to where you're going. And and he constantly called their attention forward and backward. And every day he provided for them in the wilderness. So don't don't forget I'm with you right here. And so today is is an exercise for us to say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. We remember where we've been over the past two years and how you've brought us through. And, Lord, we want to look forward. We want to look down the road a little bit and say, how do we, as a church family, as a church community, how do we become an expression Of the grace of God, of the gospel of God, of the goodness of Jesus Christ in this community. I mean, there there are churches all over the world, all sorts of different types of churches, and I, I really believe this. Jesus loves the church in all of its expressions, and even though church people like to fight a lot, Jesus loves the church. In all of its different forms and expressions, but the reason I believe this, that there are many different forms and expressions of the local church from house churches to mega churches and everything in between from, you know, old school to new school to whatever it may be, all these different expressions of the body of Christ of the local church are called by God with specific callings on those churches to reach specific people, to make disciples, and to be an expression, a representation of Jesus in their context for who they are. That's what the local church is called to be. And so my question for you, and one of the things that we're going to look at today as we think about who we are as a church, who we are as Hills Church, if someone was to come up to, you or to me and say we were Hills Church and they wanted to shake our hand and get to know us and they said, hey, I'm so-and-so, you're Hills Church. Who are you? What are you about? What's at the core of who you are? How do we get to know who you are? And to answer that question, I want to give us four simple pillars, four anchors that express who we are as a church. You know, I, I think these are broad overviews. These are broad categories. There's so many things underneath each of these categories, but if people want to know who we are, if you want to know what we're about and where we're going in the vision of this church, here's where it begins. It begins in a phrase, and this is something that we have prayed over a ton, our pastoral team, our executive team. We, we said, Lord, who are we? How, do we? how do we define us? How do we articulate who we are and what we want to be about? And these Four simple pillars. These four phrases rose to the top in the midst of those discussions. And here it is. We exist to help people encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, and serve others. We exist to help people encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, and to serve others. That's who we are. That's what we're going to be about. And we were very intentional even about this word, encounter Jesus. So many of us, if we grew up in America or around the church, we know about him. We've had some experience of him. We would say we know Jesus or know God. But have you encountered him? We know that one encounter with Christ, it begins to change everything from the inside out. It changes us. And so I want to look at these these four pillars to encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, and serve others. And then I want to share some stories. We want to share some stories of what God is doing in our different ministries. We're going to have some of our different pastors and ministry leaders up here just sharing what Christ is doing in and through this church. Because stories are the testimony that, man, Christ is alive and he is on the move. Amen? Amen. All right, so number one, encounter Jesus. And I need you all to memorize this paragraph. So once uh, people ask you what this is all about, you'll be able to tell them. Uh, I'm just going to get into it. Here we go. At Hills Church, we believe Jesus is alive and that we were created to live life in relationship with him. We facilitate environments of faith, worship, community, and service where everyone can come to know Jesus through a personal encounter with him. We encounter Jesus through the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to save us from sin and death. The gospel is the motivation behind everything we do. It's the motivation behind everything we do. You see, friends, the gospel the message that Jesus died on the cross to save us, to rescue us from sin and death, and then rose again three days later so that through faith in him, we can have new life. Spiritually, we can be born again. That good news, that good news right there is what reconnects you to God. We were separated from God by our sin, and the cross made a way for us to be brought back into relationship with our heavenly Father. The scripture says, God was in Christ. God was in Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one, right? The mystery of the Trinity. God was in Christ on the cross, reconciling the world to himself, And when we were separated from God by sin, that means we were separated from the source of life, actual life. That's where in the biblical narrative, the biblical worldview, that's where sin and death entered the scene all the way back in the Garden of Eden when we were separated from God. And so the cross, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning of the restoration process for humanity, for all of us when we enter into that. By faith. That's the way we encounter God. Yes, we believe we encounter him through the Holy Spirit. We believe we encounter him through ministry moments and times of prayer. But the primary way that you encounter him is through the gospel. And, friends, the gospel, I want to say this so clearly, the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life, died the death that we deserved, rose again from the dead, and that by faith in him, all the work is done. We can be made new. That is not just something that you say, I agree with that one time in your life. Got saved when I was younger. Friends, that's the center, that's the core that you live your life from. That's where the power to follow Jesus comes from on a daily basis. That's where the the power to receive the grace of God, to find freedom in your life comes from. Friends, we are a gospel-centered people. It's our only hope. It's our joy. It's the reason that we can wake up even in the midst of our mess and our sin and our brokenness and say, Lord, today I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed. There are new mercies in this morning. Strengthen me to walk with you today. And we want to facilitate environments where people encounter Jesus. They don't just agree with his teachings. They meet him, and it changes everything. You ever had an encounter like that in your life, one encounter that changed everything? I remember my son, when he was about two, um, a pastor I heard recently used this illustration. I was like, man, that's great. I've lived that same story. I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm using that one for myself. That's how pastors work. We just don't tell you all that. And uh, it was so fun because this really did happen. We were at the beach. My son was two. And you got to love it when kids make up words for things when they're little. They, they don't know how to say the word ocean or they forget the word ocean. And so Sawyer took one look at the ocean the, at the beach and he goes, mm-hmm, the big madu. That's what that is right there. The big, I was like, man, that's a better word than ocean. We should adopt that. That's a great word, the big madu. Now the problem with a two-year-old at the beach is that they really don't think they need mom or dad to go sprinting into the big madu. They can just do that on their own. They, they really don't want anything restricting them like a life jacket or swimmies or whatever it is. They want total freedom to run into the waves. And so you're just on constant watch with your kids, making sure you don't turn your back for two seconds, and they just sprint off into the ocean without a life jacket on. It's a little stressful when you got a toddler at the beach. Parents can say amen anytime they want. You know the story, right? And I remember this, you know, day two or three, we were just in this constant battle with Saul. You're constantly wanting, no, I can do, you know, let me go, let me go, let me go. And finally, I was like, okay, you want to run out there with no life jacket on without dad and mom? You go for it. Don't judge me. Do not judge me right now and my parenting. And uh, I was going to stay close enough and watch and keep tabs, right? And uh, I'll never forget, you know, he, he kind of looked over his shoulder. He didn't know I was watching him, and he just took off sprinting. Freedom, arms wide. I finally get to swim in the big Madu without a restrictive life jacket, without mom and dad nearby. Two steps in, a little one-foot wave comes and just, poof, just takes him out, right? He's now on his back. The water is going over his head. I'm counting. You know, it's all right. I'm not going to let this kid experience anything too traumatic. Um, a little trauma is good for a kid. And uh, I, I remember watching, watching just for a second. And then there's that moment where the water starts going the other way. And he starts kind of sliding out with the wave. And I just swoop in and pick him up. And, you know, he's sneezing, coughing a little bit. And his eyes are huge. And he's holding on to me as hard as he can. He's not letting me go. And he just goes, Big Madu's scary, dad. <laughs> Scar- I say, It is scary, son. And from then on out, I had no issue with him wearing a life jacket or asking me to go with him into the water. One encounter with the big Madu changed everything in terms of Sawyer's experience of the beach. One encounter with just a little one-foot wave completely shifted his paradigm for how I should live my life here at the beach as a two-year-old. And friends, it's the same for us. It was the same for Paul. For Saul, when he was on the way to Damascus and he encountered the risen Christ, he was on his way to kill Christians. He encountered Christ. He said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. That changed everything for Saul, including his name. He became Paul and he wrote half the New Testament. Every time people encountered Jesus in the New Testament, they began to change. We want to facilitate Environments where people can encounter the truth of the gospel. Number two, we want people to experience growth. When people experience growth at Hills Church, at Hills Church we believe Jesus receives us as we are but does not leave us as we are. Walking with Jesus changes us from the inside out. It transforms everything about us, our priorities, our identity, our affections, our motivations, our relationships, our actions, even how we manage our time and our money. God invites us on a journey of transformation, freedom, and true life as we become more and more like Christ. Friends, over and over and over again in the New Testament, we see this word discipleship used. We see Jesus calling people not just to believe in him, but he calls people to follow him. Follow this way of humility. Follow this way of love. Follow this way of freedom that I want to lead you on. And often it's going to feel like dying, like picking up a cross to follow me. But in that death, there is new life. In that death, there is resurrection. In that death, you will find freedom and joy and peace and the unconditional love and grace of God that you never imagined that will change you from the inside out. And friends, we want you to grow in your faith. We want you to grow. We want you to to experience this reality of growth in Christ, not just through your own quiet times in the word. Those are powerful. But through stepping into relationship with others, through getting into authentic, real community where you can be vulnerable, where you can be honest about what's happening in your life, where you can learn to study scripture, we can learn to pray where you can learn man how do i how do i live out how do i walk out this christianity thing on monday at my job in my family in my relationships in my marriage how do i really follow jesus here you don't learn that on your own just from a book you learn that in the context of community that's why finding community is one of our pillars Hills Church is not a building you attend on the weekend, but a community of imperfect people saved by grace and learning to follow a perfect Savior. According to Scripture, we are all members of one body. We are united as family by our shared faith and core beliefs. And as a family, we actively gather for worship, connecting groups, and encourage one another through every season of life. Amen? That's what community is all about. There's this Amazing verse, I'm sure you've heard of it before in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The, the analogy is simple, it just goes like this. Whatever you're shaping the iron into, whatever its purpose is, whether it's to be a plowshare, a sword, a shield, a helmet, whatever its intended purpose was in those days, You couldn't use wood to shape the iron. You needed iron to shape the iron into its ultimate purpose. Friends, God said it's not good for man to be alone. You need community. You need others who can look at your life from an outside perspective, safe people that you can confide in and say, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm struggling, and they will be God's voice to pick you up when you're low, to give you strength when you're weary. They will be the iron that sharpens you eventually into who you're called to be. That's what community is about. So we want people to encounter Jesus through the gospel. We want them to experience growth in their faith. I think about, I don't want to miss this verse uh, from Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 15. The purpose of the church. I want to go back to growth for just a second. It says this, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So why did he raise up pastors and teachers and leaders within the church? To equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. Church is not a place you come to on a Sunday to watch some guy on a stage do the ministry and preach. It's a place, hopefully, where you get equipped to share your faith, to walk it out, to live it out. Look, one location one day a week will not change this town, but thousands of locations at all the schools in town, at the businesses in Sacramento, in the governmental offices in downtown, in every little area where God has placed you, thousands of points of light, serving, loving, sacrificially laying down their lives, praying, extending the grace of God through the way you live, that'll change things. That'll change some things. That's why the church exists exists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to growing up into maturity in our faith, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. We're real encouraging here at church. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. Experience growth, God friends, we are called to grow by the grace of God. We're called to grow. We're called to find community as we talked about, iron sharpening iron. And lastly, we're called to serve others. Jesus himself said he gave a mission statement for his life. Truly, Jesus' vision statement for Jesus, here it is, I did not come to be served, but to serve others and lay down my life as a ransom for many. That's why I'm here. I'm here to wash your feet. I'm here to wash the sins away from your life through the sacrifice of my life. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve you. God has strategically placed us on the Highway 50 corridor to shine as a city on a hill by sacrificially serving our community, our neighbors, our coworkers, and everyone in our circle of influence. Hills Church is for the 50 and for the world. One of the things that came out of These past two years, this season of pandemic was this phrase, for the 50. We want to be known as a church that steps up, that steps out, immediately serves the needs of our community, immediately serves those at risk, those who are putting their lives at risk as first responders, serving teachers, serving restaurants and local businesses. We wanted to be known as a Jesus people who were for this town. We wanted to be known by what we were for. We're for Jesus and we're for you. And we want you to experience how much God is for you through the way we love you. That's what we're about. We're for the 50 and we are for the world. And I'm so excited to to get into this over the next few weeks, some of the global partnerships that we're jumping into this year that I could not be more excited about. But to really capture this, I want to share a video with you guys. It's a video of a father and a son who were recently baptized at our church, and I think their story captures so beautifully these four pillars, to encounter Jesus, experience growth, to find community, and to serve others. And friends, I want you to check out this video for a second. Such a beautiful picture of a father, a son, a family who encountered Christ, even though it was online through an Easter service in the middle of a pandemic that brought them to a community of people where they could experience growth and support through obviously one of the most difficult seasons of their life. And we continue to walk with Brian through this season and through this battle. We continue to pray for him and Austin and the whole family. But man, I stories like that That take a little vision statement or four pillars from some some words on a screen to flesh and blood and real life right in front of us. Amen. And friends, this is what we're about. This is what we're about. And I wanted you to hear some more stories from some of our other incredible leaders on the team. Miss Kate, who is all things kids and just absolutely amazing as a leader for all of our kids' ministries. Pastor Dan, Pastor Matt, Dan, who's over students, youth, Matt, who's over care, local outreach. And I said, man, I get to hear these stories in staff meetings and in our exec team meetings all the time, but I want you to hear some of the stories of what God is doing in and through their ministry. So, Kate, why don't you lead us off?
0: It sounds great. So I'm um, Kate with kids, and one of the biggest things we do here on our campus is a thing called Camp X. If you know, it's the most exciting week. We call it the best week of summer. Uh, we gather about 1,500 of our best friends, and we all come in, and we have uh, the greatest time ever. What's really unique about Camp X is it's ex- It's an experience for our kids to learn more about Jesus and to grow in him, but it's also a time to make memories and have so much fun. We know in a lot of the environments kids are in, whether it be school, sports, they're told what to do all the time, but here at Camp X, they get to live their best lives and they get to choose everything they want to do. So it's always a great week. So um, my story pertains to this. I found out that um, there were two little girls doing a lemonade stand for Camp X, which is not something uncommon. We have our fundraiser, which is called Silver Wars. It's a friendly competition where kids raise money, and we've done amazing things like build houses in Mexico, build churches, build playgrounds. It's incredible. When you put out a need, these kids bring in over 8000 in four days. It's so amazing. So I thought, oh, they're going to raise some money for Silver Wars. How great is this? Well, it's brought to my attention that these two little girls, they live right down the street. They live in the little development across from Target. They were actually raising money to go to camp. They didn't have money to go to camp. So I'm a mom of three boys running around all the time, and I jammed it in right between lacrosse and football, got over there for a 30-minute window, and I was able to tell these girls that we as a church wanted them to come and money shouldn't be an issue. So we were gonna scholarship them, we are gonna get them in. And what I found out from the manager of the complex is that the two little girls, the older one, kind of had taken the mother role for the younger one. They live with the grandma. And um, very stoic girl, never shows emotion, just very, you know, well beyond her years trying to be that for her sister. When I got there and told her, she just started bawling. And he's like, I've never seen her show emotion at all. I've never seen her cry. And so it was such an incredible experience. And then we were able to show that here at church. So the next incredible thing that happened is you, each one of you, congregation, we had checks coming in to sponsor these girls. Well, what's so awesome is we had two. We had enough checks come in to sponsor 20 kids. Right? Come on. Is that not amazing?
1: That's so amazing. Right?
0: And so what's also incredible is you can see our stats right here. We've got some fun stats for kids ministry. One of them is that 93 kids accepted Christ in this last year. What I'm so happy to share is that one of the 93 was the older sister. So she now... Is changing the legacy of her family. She now is starting a new trajectory. She now is going to start a new path and a new journey. And it's so exciting. We know what Jesus has done in our lives. And it's so exciting to see what he can do in their lives. And I just want to thank you guys for being a church that loves children that loves the next generation and is happy to help facilitate that. So thank you guys so much. We love them. We know they're the future. And these kids, they are full of life and spirit and joy and they can do anything with Jesus.
1: I love it. Thank you so much, Kate. Let's give it up for Kate and our kids team. I do want to draw attention. Maybe you saw this on the way in, our annual report. You're welcome to grab one on the way out. But um, it's filled with a lot of stats, numbers, things like that. But as Kate mentioned and what I think is so important is to understand that man. Every number represents a name, represents a kid, represents a story, and that's what we want you to hear today. So Dan, um, man, why don't you jump in, tell us something, some things about youth.
2: Yeah, so as many of you guys know, our 6th or 12th grade students are being raised in a culture and a time where screens and technology are a part of everyday life. I would say from the day they were born, they had this technology in their home or around them at some point. And they're living in a time where they could wake up in the morning and say, hey, Alexa, play my favorite morning music. And Alexa is going to serenade them as they get ready for school that morning. Right. They could you know, talk to their phone and say, take me to the nearest In-N-Out, and it will guide and direct them in the next 20 seconds to get to In-N-Out for their you know, double-double with, you know, animal style. Animal style, protein style, chilies, all this, okay. Uh, And then, you know, at night, they could literally not get out of bed and they could just tell their phone or tell Alexa to turn off their bedroom lights and it's done, right? So they're living in a time where they have and they experience authority and influence in a whole different way. They're influencing technology. They have authority by the sound of their voice to say these different things and they immediately happen. But I also think it's true that these teenagers, while they're experiencing authority and experiencing influence, they don't fully understand how to fully own that and fully understand what their influence, what their power, what their uh, leadership actually looks like. So as a youth ministry, we have seen some incredible things over the last six months, 12 months, during this time where we've seen students really step into their authority, step into their calling, their passions, And uh, we've got students like Mason and Lauren and Sarah who over the last six months have really began owning their own faith. And that's one of the biggest goals that we have, one of the biggest missions we have as youth ministry is helping them own their faith. We don't wanna send them out after their senior year to college and for them to be riding on the fumes of mom and dad's faith or a best friend's faith or a coach's faith. We are trying to help them own it and make it their own. So that no matter what university they go to, whether it's big or small, private or public, that they can have a foundation that goes beyond that. And and they hear the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And while that's paramount, that's so important. Everything that the Bible says is so true. We want them to understand it's not just because the Bible tells you so. It's actually because you have had a personal experience, a personal encounter, which is one of the four pillars that you can stand on. So no matter what said, no matter what shared, from senior year on, you have that firm foundation. So we're so proud of Mason and Sarah and Lauren for really stepping into that authority and stepping into that leadership and influence. And we want to thank you guys as our church family for believing in the next generation and just investing so much in, in youth.
1: Man, so good. Thank you for sharing, Dan. Matt, why don't you jump in?
3: Yes, so uh, I get the opportunity. I just love what I get to do because I get to step into a space of uh, facilitating just movement and mission for us as a church and as a congregation, as a body to go outside of these four walls that I like to call it the four walls of the church here and go outside into the world and into our community and wave that banner that you've heard Jonathan already unpack called For the 50, right? And, and the simple concept behind that is just a question that we asked ourselves, which was, what do we wanna be known for as a church, right? And that's, that's the question being asked from those outside of our church, right? Those in our community. What do we wanna be known for? What well, we wanna be known for are people who are compassionate, right, who have mercy, who have grace, who show love, who, are, who care, who are there and who are four people ultimately. And so that's what for the 50 is ultimately. And I just love that I get to do that. I have to facilitate you guys going out. And as we encounter Jesus and experience growth and find community, uh, we're called to do something with that, you know. I'm reminded of the scripture. Jesus, He says, "Even as the Father has sent me, therefore I am sent into you." And so we're to do something with our faith, right? We're to go out, love others, serve others wherever God has placed us. And I just want to end with this story. Uh, if you remember back in Christmas, we did an initiative with one of our partners called Sweet Dreams Foundation. They're a they're a mission partner here that we partner with, and their whole goal is to transform. Bedrooms for kids who are facing life threatening illnesses. And their goal is just to provide some relief, some happiness, some joy uh, as they're going through treatment, as the family is journeying through that. And it's an amazing organization. And so uh, we committed to five bedrooms at Christmas. And praise God, you guys, we've stepped up to support that cause of five bedrooms and what it takes to pull that off. But just last week, we execute it, and we, and some of you, uh, many of you in here were a part of that. We finished our first bedroom, and I just want to share with you their story. It's a I want j- before you even dive us. into that, I will show yes. some
1: photos. We do have some photos of the family and such an awesome and, project here.
3: Yes, and there's photos right there. That is young Carter, and he's nine years old and he's suffering from a brain tumor, and he's going through it. His family is going through it, and we got the opportunity to spend a few days and completely transform his bedroom. You can see some of those pictures there, and the joy that that brought them is amazing. And so we got to meet some real practical needs and provide some hope in the midst of a time and a season that the family is feeling hopeless. And here's the message that I received from mom. Uh, About this, I just want to read it for you. I'm looking at my phone because I'm going to read it for you right now. It says, thank you so much for your support and the prayers in the most difficult time of our lives. Working with Hills Church and Jen, Jen's from Sweet Dreams, these last few weeks has helped us reestablish a lost faith that we have had in God. We have pulled away uh, slowly over the last few years and we've never been consistent with church especially over this last year, discovering about Carter's diagnosis. Here it is, your guys' willingness to pray, to come alongside us and to support and even transform a bedroom for us has given us hope, a hope that God cares and that he sees Carter. Thank you for, so much for showing us what God's grace is and can be like. And there it is right there, my friends. That right there, right? and. It has opened up conversations about Jesus, because we can do good works, good deeds, and all of that's good, right? But the heartbeat always behind it is to shine the light of Jesus and the hope of the gospel in people's lives. And so people are experiencing that on Fridays, on Saturdays, on Thursdays, not just here in the room on Sundays, right? Why is that? It's because we are being sent, we're going out into the community and shining that light, so I just love That we're a part of that. And thank you guys for all that you do. Thank you guys so much.
1: Let's give it up for Kate and Dan and Matt for all they do. So many others on their teams. But so important for you to be connected to the stories of life change, the stories of hope, the real stories of real people that are happening in and through this church. And friends, as as we look ahead, as we remember the past, realize where we are, but look ahead and say, Lord, what does it look like for us to be the church in the days ahead? What does it look like for us to have maximum continued impact on this community? And on the places where you've put us. And we as a leadership team, as a board, have identified four different areas, four kingdom pathways. And again, these are going to be outlined and detailed in the annual report as we look to the end of 2022, the end of this year, and heading into 2023. We've identified four areas that we believe God is calling us into in an increased way. To greater to have greater opportunity to reach this community and have greater kingdom impact on our spheres of influence. So I want to look at these for just a moment before we close our time together. Number one is global impact, number two is next generation, number three is local outreach, and number four is community spaces. And all of these fall in line with our four pillars. All of these fall in line with the fact that, man, we want to create spaces where people can find community, places where people can serve and grow. We want to invest in the next generation and help them encounter Jesus, right? And so some of the ways that we're going to do that is we're going to look at our current models, look at our current, current initiatives, and man, we have been peddled down on local outreach for the past two years, mainly because the global scene has been pretty closed. It's been hard for us to get out of these walls aside from financial support to get to other nations. But this year, we are jumping into a partnership with Compassion International, and I am so fired up about that. So fired up because we all know Compassion as the child sponsorship organization, but friends, you're about to find out it is so much more than that. And Matt has been leading the way with his team. We also partner with Global Fellowship, which puts missionaries and reaches the hardest reach most unreached places on the planet, FIRM, the Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries, and then Empowering Lives International, just four different areas that we want to continue moving beyond the 50 corridor and saying, man, we're called to make disciples of all nations, amen? So you'll hear more about that and ways that you can support this initiative in the days ahead, especially right after Easter. The second one that I want us to look at is this idea of next generation. As Dan shared and as Kate shared, man, it is so important for us as a church family to pass the story of Jesus on to the next generation. And God has blessed us with an incredible facility. He's given us an amazing space for us. I mean, the number of people who have found Christ between building A and building B. And for those of you who are new to the church, when this church um, was started, it started all the way over in the CSD and in the high school. And then they bought this land. they built that first building, which is just across the parking lot. And that was, gosh, over 15 years ago. And that was an amazing gift, an amazing facility. It's where we ran church for years out of that building. But now it's, it's the kids' space. Now our dream for it is to be, man, a youth space, a relevant youth space for middle schoolers and high schoolers in our community. And here's the great thing about that building. It has such potential to be a community space as well. I've got kids in in youth sports, as many of you do, and others on our team, and that gymnasium over there has been used to host cheer banquets, soccer banquets, football banquets, meetings for teachers, and local chamber of commerce meetings, and it's an awesome space. There's only one problem with it. It just hasn't been updated in 15 years, so uh, the mics aren't working half the time, or the, the projector slides don't work, and I'm like, man, let's... Let's just update this a little bit. We don't have to build buildings. We just need to to give a facelift over there. Open up the side of the gym. Create a more inviting spot for youth, for kids, for anybody in our community. And this is one of our concepts for how we could open the side of that gym and create an amazing space in there for our youth, for the next generation. Redo some of the interior on the kids' side of the building. And again, create space for growth and connection and invest in the next generation. So global impact, next generation. The next one I want to look at is local outreach. One thing I know about this town, you know about this town, is, uh, man, this is a town that loves youth activities. If you're a parent, you can say amen right there. We know that. And, again, God has given us an incredible facility. Maybe some of you don't realize this, but the field across from our lower parking lot down there is massive. It's huge. And right now, whether we're doing a um, an Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday, we're just praying to God that some creature doesn't come crawling out of the rocks and harm children. It's a very unredeemed plot of land is how I'll, I'll uh, define that, okay? And we want to redeem it. And it's real simple. We don't want to build a building on it. We just want to make it usable for our community in terms of local outreach. You could put a you could literally put a full-size football field down there. That's how big it is. Multi-use sports fields, volleyball courts. Again, this is just concepts, ideas. And right now, El Hills Folsom growing so fast, they have not enough space for youth sports. We could open it up for practices for different teams, but we could also use it for our own sports camps all summer long if we wanted to run them from this facility. Um, our kids could use it for Camp X instead of running around a parking lot, which Kate and her team still makes awesome, but how much better to have a field? Our youth team could use it. Man, men, we could relive the glory days in flag football and just <laughs> rip up some ACLs and roll some ankles and pretend that we were 20 again, right? So many different things that we could use that for down there, and it's being used for none of it, and we want to redeem it as, as a tool for our church and for local outreach, And then lastly, updating some of our community spaces. Um, Again, God has blessed us with an amazing facility. But right now, the, the building B, building A, it feels disconnected. And there's such an opportunity out there with where the parking circle is at to create green space, to create space for people to hang out, to connect, for small groups to meet, for people to mingle in between services, Um, to have outdoor events, to have food trucks and barbecues after church, to have the kids for a spot to play inside the building we want to look at. We have an amazing cafe, but just giving it a small facelift, potentially putting some garage doors there where there's indoor-outdoor space. And throughout the week, people can come and perhaps grab a cup of coffee, let their kids play and connect. Friends, it's community spaces, spaces where people can find their people. And so as we look at all these different things, right, we want to move at the speed of generosity. We're not saying for sure, yes, we are doing this by the end of 2022. We don't know. That's up to the generosity of this church and our people. We do believe these would be amazing tools for us to continue using this facility and, and um, pursuing the mission that God has given us. And regardless, the first thing we're going to do is lean heavy with financial partnership into Compassion International. We are an outreach, compassion-first church, but we want to use what God has given us to the best of our ability to reach as many people as we can in a contextual ministry for El Hills. Amen? So what can you do? How can you help? There's several different ways. One, invite Continue to live on mission, inviting friends and neighbors to be a part of this church, your small group. Continue to be a light on a hill by serving, by sharing the gospel. Number two, increase. Consider increasing your monthly giving. Maybe for those who have never given before, can consider, pray about, Lord, would you have me step in and give recurring on a monthly basis towards the mission of this church? towards the mission of this church, that we would be laser-focused in this season to say, Lord, I want to use resources, time, talent, and treasure to fulfill the gospel mission that you've put on this church. Number three, intercede, pray. Friends, we want to be a praying church that prays for revival, that prays for God to reach the lost, that prays for people to experience growth and find freedom. Amen? Be praying for all of these things. Then number four, invest. We are still in the early stages of gathering renderings, of understanding what has to be done to make that lower field into a park. And as we gather more information and understand the costs, we will begin to share that with you guys. And again, we will move forward at the speed of generosity. Not faster, not slower than that, but at the speed of faithful stewardship and generosity. And Lord willing, by this fall or near the end of this year we can all begin praying for an above and beyond year-end offering to help us achieve some of these things. And that's my ask for you. How will you step off the bench, step out of the bleachers and step onto the field and say, Lord, use me. Use me to accomplish this. So we close our time together. I wanna invite one of our elders and board members, the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Palos. Literally, Mark and his wife, Teresa, were here on the very first day, about a year after, pretty close, pretty close, of this church. I mean, I, I, just, want, I just want you to share for a second. I know we're, we're getting short on time, but this is an important moment for us as a church, and uh, I so love you, I respect you, and I want you to feel free to share with us for just a minute before we take communion.
4: Wow, was this awesome or what today? Was this fantastic? Thank you, brother. Um, we were sh- I was just sharing a little bit in the last service. I am so sobered by the passage of time. One of my life scriptures is, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. You get to a point in your life where you don't think about how many days ahead you have, you think how many have, have left. And as Jonathan was talking today, I feel it in my heart that we need to be laser focused in the days ahead. We need to live our lives as though there will be no next generation. Truth is off the table. God's word is our basis of authority and our culture is throwing it out. And yet the wisdom of God's word is timeless. It's relevant. It's applicable to every season, every event, every situation in our life. And we want people to know the wisdom that comes from God's word. I was just thinking there's a scripture that says, Jesus says, by this is my father glorified that you go and bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Demonstrate to the world that you're mine, that, you, that I'm in you and that you love me. I was thinking about another scripture that Paul said. He said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? And then he says, so therefore You run but run in such a way that you may win. Run to win, run to finish well, run to finish strong. Don't just be a bundle of beginnings, finish. Be the person that God called you to be. I think we live in a time when um, I'm sobered and I'm so grateful for the way our pastor, Jonathan and Lindsay, where they lift up the word of God, the standard that we need in this generation. We may be the last generation, May God help us and as we live out our vision for him. And one other thing I just wanted to share, there's a great scripture in 1 John where John says, he says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. And for this reason, the world doesn't know us because it did not know him. Our job, because the world doesn't know him, they need to get to know us so that they can know him. So let's all be a part of that. Let's all do it together because we can't do it alone. But we want to press forward. We want to be a light on a hill. We want to be a fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. And so as we bow and take this moment for communion, let's remember the sacrifice and the indescribable gift of God's love in Jesus Christ that he died, he hung on a cross, he bled for us because he loved us. He's already finished well. And he wants us to do the same. Let's just thank him now. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we confess you as Lord and Savior. We recognize that you paid the ultimate price for our freedom and our salvation. And that we no longer live our lives running in fear, wondering how we can please you you've already shown us how much you love us and that you love us unconditionally. And so we now want to live our lives out of a debt of gratitude. We can't live long enough, serve long enough, do enough to repay what you've done for us. So Lord, receive our worship as we take the communion, we remember your broken body, as we drink the juice, remember your shed blood, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Thank you so much. We take these elements and we lift up your name in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.